Welcome to Fumpale Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altador, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self-love, and so much more. I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. With me, your virtual girlfriend. Welcome back to another episode of Fumpale Podcast. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Marin, who is a coach, speaker, and author with a master's degree in positive developmental psychology and certifications in life coaching and yoga. As the business owner of Yes And, she passionately supports women to free themselves from doubt and fear so they can make their positive impact and experience true fulfillment. Welcome to the show, Marin. How are you today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. We appreciate you being a guest. So if you want to add to your bio and then lead on to your story. Yes. So my bio, when I hear it, sounds a little bit intangible if I were to be a guest listening. So a good tangible summary of what I do is I help women make decisions and specifically help women make decisions that are authentic, which means aligned with their values and their interests and their strengths. I have that background in positive psychology, so that is definitely always on the on the on my back burner, on the back of my mind. Um, but also, I'm a huge proponent for our authentic experiences and knowing that every individual has a different experience that informs those decisions. Um, and so it's really my passion and purpose and is so fun to walk women through these sometimes hard, um, but always rewarding experience of making decisions and standing confidently in them and navigating the aftermath of decisions um, and strengthening that muscle over and over again until authentic decisions become more of the norm instead of those should decisions that many of us fall into. Very good. I do have a question for you, though. So what's your Let's go. bachelor's in? Is in psychology oh, as well. Oh, why positive developmental psychology what sparked you to do that yes so in my undergrad for psychology i studied abroad in denmark and i took a course that was positive psychology an intro to that and that was the first time i was really introduced to that part of psychology and it hooked me right away um i'm very positive in nature but also the field of positive psych studies a good life. What happens when life goes quote unquote right or when we're thriving and flourishing and how can we help fuel that on the forefront um, or help that help others to have those practices, implement the things that we know work to create more life satisfaction and fulfillment and well-being all around. Um, and I, I really was attracted to the proactive approach to psychology rather than that treatment side of once things have gone mm -hmm. awry, what do we do? That's also an important part of the conversation. Um, but personally, I, I, I was hooked right away when I learned that positive psych was a direction I could go. Um, so originally, I was actually in the PhD program for positive psychology. And one one of my first authentic decisions was to drop that program and I graduated with my master's degree very confidently and very gratefully okay. <laughs> in hindsight. Okay. And is 
getting the PhD something that would interest you later on in life? I don't think so. I do entertain the thought every now and then. Um, but really what it came down to, two big proponents of making that switch. One was what we were studying in school of what qualified and helps to create a good balanced life were things I didn't feel like I could personally implement mm -hmm. in a PhD program because there's so much stress and balance is definitely not the word I would uh, link to my experience in that program. Um, and maybe that's okay. And I know for a lot of my colleagues that was okay, especially when we boundary just this season of life may be a little out of balance and that's okay for mm -hmm. the long run. For me, I really wanted to implement these practices into my own life and practice what I preach rather than stay on that research side. And the other reason the masters felt more aligned with my own self is that it really helped and encourages the implementation of the research and the practices that we study rather than, again, that research side. Both are mm -hmm. important. Um, it just came down to what interested me more. Gotcha. And before we even get to your her, her story, I have all types of questions for her. Why did you choose Denmark? Denmark was where, where that program was taking place, oh. but also Denmark has been known to be or labeled as the happiest country in the world. And so I thought, what a great place to take a positive psychology mm -hmm. course in the happiest country in the world. Um, and a nugget of information I took away from that experience is that when we say happiness or even positive psychology has this connotation of what we think of when we think of positivity in the Western world. So smiles and laughter and, you know, outward joy. And what I learned in Denmark being the happiest country in the world, I would more so label it the most content country in the world, which I actually think is something that I strive mm -hmm. to, um, to be content and to be with all life experiences rather than constantly reaching for this one single emotion that is happiness. Makes sense. I like that. And I didn't know that. So I've learned something now. Denmark is the happiest country in the world. Interesting. Kind of like at least at one point it was said that. So I'd have to I'd love a fact checker if that has we can always years. fact check. Um, but yes, I mean, at that's one good. Point. And it's always a country outside of the US. I mean, of course, this is silly. You know how they say Japan is the brightest country, the brightest in everything, the US and all the countries. I think Las Vegas is the brightest in the US. But I didn't know. I wonder who's the saddest country if they even have such a research mm. done. If they have happy, yeah. they probably have sad. Probably. Mm -hmm. I would be interested to see. And then immediately I'm like, how can I, I know. help? <laughs> how can I reach out to them? This is not good. This is not good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the mic is all yours, my dear. So you're going to share your story. Yeah. So I, with your topic in particular and, and your mission, what I'm really called to share is two, but I'll focus on one, different periods when I made what I qualify as authentic decisions and therefore doing that in my own life really struck me in how difficult it can be to make authentic decisions, um, but again, also how rewarding mm -hmm. it can be. So the first I already alluded to was switching from the PhD to the master's. And that's the easier one to talk about because it feels more logical. Um, and and it, no other human is involved, really. Of course, advisors and colleagues and parents. Um, but at the end of the day, it was my life. It was my career trajectory. And switching, as I've already shared, made sense for me and my strengths and my interests. At the same time, I also had 
what felt like almost everyone telling me that that was the wrong choice was to drop out of that PhD program. And I know by working with so many clients um, that that's a really common experience when we're making a decision that feels really true to us. Sometimes it makes no sense <laughs> to anyone else. And it was it was hard. It was hard to sit in that space of knowing my truth while also doubting it because so many people were saying that it was smarter, it was wiser, um, you'll regret leaving this program. Only so many people make it into this program. You're lucky to be here. You know, you should take this opportunity. Um, and hearing that over and over and over again, I couldn't help but absorb some of that and then start doubting my own instincts. Um, so that was the first, the first decision that I had to face those things. I wanted to face those things um, and was able to make that decision again that was aligned with me rather than what everyone else was telling me. And I started my business. That was the catalyst to open Yes And and to start doing what I am doing now is that decision. And so I can see the direct payoff and how content and happy and um, in love with my job and my life now because of that decision. And so it's a really obvious payoff. Um, and then the other, and then I'll let you <laughs> go with all the questions. The other decision that I was really called, again, especially with your podcast and your mission to share with your audience is the decision to leave a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that was also an authentic decision, one that was really aligned with my needs, my values, my where I saw my life going and where I didn't see my life going. Um, and, and that was out of alignment with this person I was in a relationship with. Um, but of the two decisions, that one for sure was the harder of the two. And to this day remains the harder of the two because the quote unquote payoff of that hard decision doesn't feel as black and white. Um, there are always those, you know, ifs or, you know, could have, should have, would have done things differently, caring about this person still, and yet there being tension because of an ending of a relationship, as there often is. Um, and also this concept of authentic decisions, something I've learned and come to believe about authenticity is that we're always changing. So at one point to be in that relationship was the authentic mm -hmm. decision and how to cope with that I changed or my future changed or needs changed or the circumstance changed and then it's no longer authentic. But then holding that internal space of knowing that something was authentic at one time and is no longer and the questions and the uh, nuance in that decision and that experience is something that I am grateful for because it allows me as a coach to show up for my clients um, and a speaker to show up for my audiences and my book as well with more compassion that these aren't always black and white, really easy, always obviously rewarding decisions, sometimes authentic decisions can be really tough and they don't always lead to that joyous elation um, that we were talking about with, with Western society labels as happiness and positivity. Sometimes alignment or authenticity might feel more like grief or like sorrow of letting something go that was right for a time and is no longer. And so to hold space for that as part of our conversation and part of my mission and purpose is also really important. To Wonderful. Me. Oh, this is awesome. You're my first guest that actually have like both a romantic and platonic relationship experience to share. And I like that because we can cover both. So we're going to first talk about the PhD, you dropping that and everybody telling you, no, you shouldn't. Okay. So first, 
Do you feel as though it was because people wanted you to have the accolades that came along with PhD? Get your mm -hmm. doctorates, Marin. It'd take you further, <laughs> which they probably can't tell you what exactly does further mean. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a perception that is starting to dismantle. Mm -hmm which I'm very interested to watch and excited to see, there's a perception that more education equals more opportunities. And like you were speaking to the accolades, having PhD after my name would equal more opportunities regardless of what I chose mm -hmm. to do. So I think a lot of individuals didn't see the disadvantage mm -hmm. of getting the PhD. It was only the advantage because I could do I could do what I wanted to do with my master's, whether I had a master's or a PhD. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that the main driver was just they didn't see. And and even I, I could lump myself into there. There isn't, I don't think, necessarily a long-term disadvantage of that PhD. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> that short-term disadvantage um, and then the long-term implications of not owning my own truth and my own desires and needs in kind of surrendering to just going with the flow and getting the PhD anyway, that has for sure long-term impacts. Um, and and the belief system that I need a PhD or would have better opportunities with a PhD, I've come to believe that actually that part of the story, I've shared it so many times and so many people connect with my story of switching from the PhD to the master's, I could absolutely defend that that created more opportunities for me to go into the masters. So I think it was it was more about perception, and um, I don't think anyone at that time was out to mm -hmm. you know force me into something I didn't want to do. They were looking out for my best interest um, and just showing what they thought was obvious. Of there's no downside to doing this, so just keep exactly. doing it. Exactly. <laughs> now I'm glad you mentioned that because you're absolutely right. The times are changing, and how people are making a living is extremely different. Um, they have been changing, but now more than ever. And this is not, let me like this little disclaimer, I'm not saying anyone should drop out of college. I'm not saying you should not go to college. I'm just saying there is a shift that is happening. And the more education does not necessarily mean nowadays the more money that you're going to make. And of course, it all depends on what you go to school for. One thing that very much upsets me. When I was a little girl, there were four professions that I knew about. Being a doctor, being a lawyer, being a nurse, and being a teacher. That's it. I didn't know anything else. I knew there were other jobs, but my little brain couldn't comprehend, well, what are these jobs? What do they do? And how do I learn these jobs? And I knew other things like cosmetology and stuff, but those are the only four that were ever introduced to me. And I hope in schools now, and I'm not even sure my two kids are in school, and I don't think I've ever asked them the questions, but I intentionally make sure they know there are other opportunities out there that you can look into instead of the four that were only told to me or that like, you know, back in like the early 90s, you were you going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, or a teacher? Anything else is like, ee, 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 that's not so important. And it's a shame that most professions are looked down upon because I do feel as though, and like you said, they most likely they weren't trying to be hurtful, Marin. 
But it was just like, oh, my God, continue your education. You want to further yourself. You want that PhD after your name. This is a good thing. This is a positive thing. And I'm going to ask you, how old are you? Because you look 18. Okay. Now, of course, they cannot see you. They're going to see one little picture of you. That's it. But I'm looking at a very young, young girl. You already have your master's. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Yeah, I'm almost 28. Okay, so you're a freaking grown woman. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, you're not 18. To add 10 years on to that, but you look very young, Marin. <laughs> so you're talking about, did you just finish? How old were you when you finished your master's? 26. Okay, so within the last 26. two years. Okay, so you went, you did the whole four years, and then you did what the two years after? Is my math right? Yes. Okay, very yep. good. So traditional, nothing out of the ordinary and nothing longer than usual. So right now, if you had stayed in that PhD program, is the PhD program two years for psychology? The PhD is up to seven Get years. Get the fuck out of here. What? Yeah. You would have still been in school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still very good friends with a lot of the colleagues that I studied with, and they are just graduating. Shit. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In my book, I tell the moment where I was, I had the thought of, okay, hold on. I don't think I want to be here, but could I just like suck it up? And then I looked at the projector screen and we were going through the requirements and I saw seven years and I thought, no, no, heck, heck no. no, I can't do this. <laughs> no, way. no, I'm confident in my decision now. I'm good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was that last like cherry on top that I was like, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> so you were about 25 when you probably were contemplating mm -hmm. this and making the decision because you graduated with your master's at 26. I have to applaud you at 25 to be so confident in that decision that you were making because at 25, you're still like, ah, you know, a, a whole bunch of confusion is going through your mind. So I applaud you for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to ask you, what do you think for uh anybody uh, a woman that is 25 and in school right now and contemplating about a major should they get their masters should they further their education what helped you solidify that decision i lay it all out in my book so if they really want to dive in there's a seven step process that you can you can follow Give me one um, one big thing that like shameless plug. Out. Yeah, the, but the one that the biggest thing really is, and I love that you're bringing age into this conversation actually, because when I started my life coaching business, I got a lot of understandable kickback of like, okay, a 26 year old is going to tell me how to live mm. my life. <laughs> Some of my clients were, you know, double my age if not more, and what I saw instead of age, which yes, age, there's wisdom, there's life experience, there's a lot of benefit in living more years and therefore having advice. And as a coach, I do not give advice. I offer those questions to bring someone's own advice out in them. And furthermore, because I started this business so young and with that decision, I felt like I actually had a leg up on others who may have already paved the path for themselves um, or gone so far down a road that it's harder at some point, um, potentially, that's a belief, to turn back or to change gears, right? If you're already in a circumstance that you worked 
for 10 years to create. I've seen in my clients how difficult that can be, how much more difficult that can be to stand confidently in a decision, especially if it's against the status quo or against what has been built Mm -hmm. already. Um, And so to specifically your question in the 25-year-olds out there who may be in the face of a decision is to potentially see your age as your greatest strength right now. You have the opportunity to change paths it may feel like because i can take myself back to that moment it may feel like you've already spent x amount of years going down x pathway and there's so much more time and opportunities and um agility Mm -hmm. in front of you and with you right now that if you're feeling called towards something or if you're not feeling called towards something trust Mm -hmm. that and it probably feels scary as heck but that's going to be there in my experience that's going to be there if it's there now it'll be there now and it'll be there for your midlife crisis so when do you want to make the decision now or in 25 more years um and that's up to you totally up to you you there's not really a right or wrong way of doing it um but but to not let age or anyone else convince you that just because of how old you are means anything. Um, you can always see, at least I can always see the the opposite side. So if someone says you're too young, maybe that's actually your mm-hmm. strength. Um, and if if you're feeling like you're getting advice from those around you, absolutely listen. And they may have some wisdom tucked in their back pocket from their experiences. But then always, always, always filter it through yourself. Does that even apply to your circumstance and to your personality and to your version of success? Um, and that's that's like the ultimate filter is your own your own gut instinct, your own feeling and desires. Absolutely. And you know what? Giving them permission to let them know that it's okay. Your decision, whatever decision you're making in that season in your life that you're in, it is okay. There's really truly no right or wrong because it is your decision. And you know, society plays a major role in decisions that you make and at times you feel confident in your decision, but people, especially rather it be close people or people you don't even know will influence that decision and make you question like, am I doing the right thing? It could be some simple little quote or something you read on social media, and that will change the whole trajectory of where your mind was. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing now after reading this. So I totally agree with you with that. And your book, Ready Enough, Your Seven-Step Guide for Life's Hardest Decisions. Is that available on Amazon Audible? Yes, Amazon. It will be audible okay. soon. I'm slowly okay. recording that. Okay. Um, but yes, Amazon and your local book sh- bookstore can also order it. So if you would rather go local, okay. just give them a call. They may not have it stocked um, yet <laughs> until I get bigger, but, but they wonderful. can still order it. It's available okay, everywhere. Wonderful. And mm-hmm. that information will also be on the website for you guys to order. So I like this. I like this. So I have another question. Of course, I'm going to have a whole bunch of questions. But at 26 years old, instead of you working for someone, you decided to start your own business. What did your parents say about this? (laughs) And if you can give us the brief version of how did you get started financially? Were you working the whole time you were in college? I've been working since I was oh. 16, so that okay. certainly helped. I also have very, very supportive parents. So they they helped me as well, which means I could save 
during all of those years of working, um, which I know is a privileged place to be. Not everyone can be Mm -hmm. that way. Um, And so I did have this little bit of a safety net under me. Um, And (laughs) how how did I do it? Looking back, I was naive, which is, I actually think, a blessing at that time. Because had I known what it meant to start a business, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to do it. Um, but also I tried to work for someone else <laughs> leading up to my graduate graduation with my master's degree. I was applying for evaluation jobs, which, um, I was a professionally trained evaluator in addition to the positive developmental psych program. And I did take some, um, opportunities, one opportunity after graduation, but I promptly quit that and just went all in with my business. Um, which really comes down to my strength, but also can be seen as my weakness too. We can see both sides of being very independent, um, really loving my autonomy and being able to make my own decisions. And that's that's rather hard to do under the guise of someone else's ideas for my hours and commitment level and um, what I should be doing <laughs> <laughs> with work. <laughs> but that's that's phenomenal. At 26, you were at that point where you're like, you know what, you did tap in and go work for someone and you knew you didn't like that. And this is what owning your decision is. And you are a prime example of that because even in college, you were owning your decision when it came to not pursuing the PhD program. You went and tried working somebody and you're like, I can't do this. Owning your decision again and starting your own business. And you know, just to add a little insight, God always says you do things afraid, not do it with anxiety, but you do it afraid you know, and just trust him. So that's exactly what you did. I wouldn't call it naive. You just, you chose what you wanted to do. You knew what you wanted to do and you trusted yourself. And that's really all it was. Yeah, we're always naive about something. I feel like we wake up sometimes. I've, every day I'm learning something. So I just, you just trusted your gut. That's what you did. Yeah. You trusted yeah. your gut. And you started your own business. So you've been in business for how long now? Celebrated three years in Congratulations. Last month was your anniversary. That is great. How do you feel now, three years later? Do you still want to be an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Yeah. And I I used to believe that everyone should be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Not should be, but I would very quickly encourage anyone, historically speaking, to start their own business and go for it. Um, What I feel now about business ownership is that I feel very grateful and even more confident in my decision to have my own business because I also love the side of business Mm -hmm. ownership which is like from everything, organizing my financials to uh, hiring, to doing the books and my own schedule and keeping myself accountable and all of the things that come along with um, being a business owner, marketing, creating a website, all the back end stuff. I also love that, which I didn't necessarily know going into it. Um, but I, I don't think had I not loved those things, I'd still be at least in the same type of business as I am now. Maybe I could hire out or delegate or collaborate with someone else to balance that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I love where I'm at and I'm, what I didn't know three years ago was that not only would I love Mm -hmm. coaching and writing and speaking, I also love 
running this business and creating the vision and, and keeping it going and doing really the tedious tasks. This too. is great. This is great. I'm trying to think at 26, I think I wanted to start a business, but I didn't take it as seriously as you did. I definitely didn't take it as seriously as you did. I, I love the idea of being an entrepreneur. But as you said, you don't know what is entailed when it comes to being an entrepreneur because you do wear many hats, marketing, social media manager, bookkeeping. You're wearing many hats when you first start off as an entrepreneur until you can financially afford to delegate certain work and certain tasks out so you can focus on more important things. And well, I shouldn't say more important. Let me take that back. Everything in part of the business is important, but you can focus on the belly of what keeps the business operating. Right, right. So yeah, yeah that was really yeah. well put. All right. So now we're going to move on to the romantic part. And we're going to move on to the romantic part. So this relationship that you were in, from what age to what age? Ooh, good question. It was throughout undergrad and into grad school. So 22 to 25. Okay. -ish. So three years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. were you in Denmark for undergrad? For just one month it was a really short okay. program yeah. so for the masters for the graduates program you were in denmark master's program was in california oh. denmark was just a study abroad oh, one that's month it. i thought it was like the whole yeah. graduate okay just one mm, month no got it mm -hmm. okay so were you guys having a distant relationship Yes, we met in undergrad. So at that time, it was not distant. Um, but then when I went to grad school, and he went after undergrad to military to the Navy. And so it was distant in multiple yeah. ways in multiple places. Okay, from that so point. for about two years, it was distant. Yeah, yeah, for the first year it was yes. not two years. I'm trying to keep up. So they so the listeners can understand as well. Okay, so for the remainder two years, it was distant because he was in the Navy. And you were in California in your graduate program. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Now. Why did you end it after three years? What was the underlying reason? Yeah, there. Again, to this book, so I disclose <laughs> the story in there. Um, but as I was coming up with with how to summarize these authentic decisions, I was living with a quote for a while of if you're wanting something more and and using that even as marketing material, if you're wanting something more, but it just didn't sit right back to what I was saying in my intro of I'm really grateful for this relationship to have happened because it provides this additional perspective on these decisions. It wasn't that I wanted something more. It wasn't that there was anything even wrong with that relationship, which makes it that much harder. Um, I mean, everyone, every relationship has things to improve. Our communication was the main thing that I journaled about frequently oh, of wanting to improve. Um, but really, it was just, again, that gut feeling of there's something different. This doesn't feel right. It's not working. Um, and having to trust that. And that's why it was so mm -hmm. hard. Um, and 
and of course the tensions of grad school and long distance and military um, and all of that fed into it as well but it really was just this sense of there's something different and it's felt it had felt that way for a while and I needed to trust that and I did but it was it was, it was really, really hard. hard okay are you single now no, I am in a relationship. Okay, so you're dating uh, someone completely yes. different, not the same party. Okay, Correct. gotcha. So when you left that situation or the relationship, yeah, ship, when you left that ship <laughs> sailing out <laughs> at sea, how did he feel? I tended to talk more than he did. So that question to this day, I would love oh. an answer to you. <laughs> Um, but I know, I know really hurt and, um, I've actually found this to be kind of a common theme as I talk to more and more individuals about relationships mm -hmm. that we were at the point in our relationship where it was either let's get married or let's split up. And so I think he was more on that track of we're getting married after the deployment he was on. I'm not sure mm -hmm. about that. Um, but that's my sense. And so I can imagine and to this day, I feel bad for for a breakup during military service that he already had plenty on mm -hmm. his plate. Um, so I can imagine that just with, you know, being deployed and having all of that plus the relationship ending and um, and me being the one to do it. So it wasn't on his own call to be really hurt. But I am not sure. I got you. So would you say that how can I describe it so they can listen and kind of put themselves in their shoe, put themselves in your shoes at the time? I mean, everyone's relationship dynamic is different. People break up, people get back together. It, you know, it happens. I feel like a relationship is just a life experience. We're not taught how to deal with relationships in school. You really kind of just grow up and you get with somebody and you start figuring things out then. Um, when you're young, especially that first relationship, you do not have the proper healthy tools to cultivate a healthy relationship. A lot of the stuff going on, I feel like in your first little relationship is all trial and error and you getting to know yourself and also getting to know that person. But what do you feel as though you did mention communication? So there was some type of like, space it was just like this fogginess I'm assuming and I'm trying to put this in uh, picture form so people can kind of see it was it just you knew like were you asking the questions of your head could I spend the rest of my life with this person could I have children with this person how is the communication in the relationship is this someone that I see a real true future with are these the questions that were going on in your head? Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, I talk very openly with my current partner about that relationship because it had such a big impact on my life, has a big impact on my life. And the answers to a lot of those questions were yes. So could I have seen myself marrying that person? Yes. Having kids with that person? Yes. The life with that person? Yes. I, I could see what that was. And again, that's why that feeling of it wasn't something more, something was like so wrong or bad it was, there's just something mm -hmm. different. Um, and 
and the communication piece felt really frustrating. And I can read old journal <laughs> entries to take me back to that time of, and now I'm, I'm, as you were saying, you learn more about yourself in relationships as you just <laughs> experience mm-hmm. them. I think that really is kind of trial by fire. Um, now I've come to know that I really connect my deepest connections and my point of safety is through intimate conversation. So not just conversations about movies or about whatever, this type of conversation that you and mm-hmm. I are having of a deep, you know, depth, vulnerable conversation. And at the time, I didn't feel like I was able to do that with that person. Um, and I, I'm not even going to try to figure out why, because I don't have that answer. And, and that was really frustrating because it felt like if I could just change something or if I could just, you know, connect in a different way or just... It, go to concerts or do something that's that's fun and that we enjoy time with each other and just let that be enough then then this could work and again those answers to those questions i could see that and um those were the same questions my friends also in helping me try to figure that out at the time were saying you know do you see him being the father of your Mm -hmm. kids and getting married and and it was tough because it was like yes and (laughs) (laughs) the name of my business yes and I and and something is off or I don't feel this connection I can't quite explain it which I can imagine was equally if not more frustrating for him because then if I can't explain it or or communicate it how can someone else understand it even um and it's just I didn't understand it and and still am learning continue will probably forever continue to learn what that need is of mine and why it was so crucial that if a relationship didn't have it nothing else mattered even if everything else was great very important identifier because for you that was a red flag conversation deep conversation is important to you and your partner at that time you weren't getting that and you knew you weren't getting that and that was something that you know Marin you needed you know you right. didn't need Even if the distance, you had already been doing distance for two years and you were able to answer yes to all these questions, but there was one isolated issue that was leaving you empty. Conversation is important. I want to have deep conversations. I want us to connect 15, 20 minutes a day and talk about how our day was, what's going on in my life or this and that. And I'm assuming at that time you were not getting that from that partner and you knew that. And a lot of women... This is why, again, I applaud you. You look so young, and I'm going to say this yet again, but you're only 28 years old. You're almost 30, but you are able to make these hard decisions and yet still know your self-worth, love yourself to make decisions that you were comfortable with. You didn't decide to stay in this relationship, and of course this is a hypothesis because we don't know what would have happened. But let's say you did stay in this relationship with this gap. It would have grown bigger and bigger and bigger over the years because you knew in the beginning that was something you were missing. Deep conversation is important to you. You weren't getting it. You can't change your partner. And a lot of times women go into relationships thinking they're going to change an individual. Me, myself, have been a victim of it, thinking if I do this, they'll change. If I do this, they'll do something different, which is the wrong way to think and the wrong way to look at it. Because if you're not getting it now, how do you know you're going to get it later? It would be different if you were getting it and then a change happened, then there was a shift. Then you can maybe talk about, okay, honey, what's going on? 
there seems to be a shift in our relationship. We're not doing this anymore. You know, that's why I'm saying this is all hypothesis because we don't know. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. many women will fall into that trap, will see the red flag in the beginning and be like, oh, I'll take care of it. You know, I'll fix it. If I do this, you know, things will change. But you, you knew and you were like, no, I got to walk away from this because you were able to answer yes to all the questions and put all the check marks. But then there was one check mark that you had to make. And that's huge because if you have 50, um, how can I say, 50 boxes that you need to check off and you're checking 49 out of the 50, and I know I'm being exaggerating, but this is a good example to use. You're checking 49 out of the 50, but that one box that's how important it was to you. I mean, if I can explain it to it like that, that's what it was. That one box, you Mm -hmm. could not put a check in there. And you had to ask myself, could I be with this person and not have this fulfillment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what stands out to me as you're sharing that is um, at the time, I felt very aware of I can't change this person because I had heard that so Mm -hmm. many times. But what I what I was struggling with, which maybe to add to this conversation and to add to anyone's tool belt or (laughs) mantra in the back of your mind when you're navigating Mm -hmm. relationships, is I was trying to convince myself, not that I could change him, because I I had heard that enough times, I can't do that, but that I could change myself. That eventually I could just connect in a different way. I could, you know, it was kind of like my fault for needing to connect in this way or for not letting the conversations we were having be enough. and maybe with time or you know whatever i'll i'll just it'll mm-hmm. be fine i call that part of myself the cool girl <laughs> it could, it'll be fine i'll be fine i don't need that it's okay um and i i think your example of you know that one box was such a heavy important central box that it was it just kept knocking on my door of this this needs to be here this really needs to be here it's not here you do need it it's okay that you need it Someone else, you know, can help you fulfill that rather than you feeling like you have to fix yourself um, and and then make a decision from there, even even with 49 yeah, checked. Absolutely. That's good. And, you know, I like how you said you tried to change yourself to conform to the situation, but even that wasn't working. And mm-hmm. this is great way for people to realize that We need to pay attention to these little cues, these little things, these little red flags when our mind or our body or just certain things that stand out that you know, okay, I'm not comfortable in this situation. How do I handle it? And I see the reason why it was a hard decision for me to walk away away from because you still loved a person, you still cared about the person, but you put yourself first, which a lot of women don't do. You know, and also the good part about this is you weren't afraid to let go. If it was meant to be, it would have been, it would have came back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like I said, relationships are experiences. Life is an experience, but you weren't afraid to let go. You weren't afraid to be alone, finish your studies, focus on what you needed to focus on and let life take its course. Most people are scared to be alone. Well, if I leave him, then am I going to find someone better? 
Or I feel like what we'll try to do, especially as women, we'll try to, well, let me look at the positive and the negatives. If the positive outweigh the negatives, maybe I can make it work. All these things we're rationalizing in our minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah, that pros cons <laughs> list is a useful tool, but not the only tool and one that we often clutch. We're yeah. like, but if I mm -hmm. weigh it, <laughs> the positives are still, but it's like, ah, the weight of that box on that con yeah. side is. It's like you're reminiscing. <laughs> it's a heavy it's one. It's like a reminisce. Yeah. What's the, it's like a, what's the, uh, what's the past tense of reminisce? Reminisce. Reminisced. I don't know, I don't know if, that's, if that's the right word I want to use, but it's kind of what I'm trying to say is like, we do this all the time when, you know, when there's like a trauma in your relationship. And that's why they say you shouldn't make decisions in a very emotional state. And you want to be at a level playing field because you'll start thinking about, but, you know, we went out to the movies this night and it was so great. We did this and it was so great. That's what I mean by like, you're thinking about all those things, but then you really do need to focus on, but that one issue is not working for me. Mm -hmm. So how mm -hmm. is relationship now with your present partner? And do you still feel confident about your decision? And be honest with us. Do you miss? Well, maybe I shouldn't because I don't <laughs> want him to hear and say, Marin, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I don't want you to get you in no, trouble, girl. <laughs> My current partner, Tyler, as I mentioned earlier, we talk we talk a lot about, well, gotcha. we have talked um, at depth about that past relationship. And he actually has, which makes it feel more comfortable for me to disclose the feelings, the true feelings I have, um, because he also has a very similar, oh. uh, interestingly, past relationship where they could have worked, but just that one thing and it didn't. And um, we've said to each other, to my current partner and I, Tyler, that... Um, we don't believe there's one person and one person only the whole soulmate idea and in fact these previous partners that both of us had it could have worked with maybe a different time or a different you know even decision in the moment um maybe maybe that would have led to something just as great and to know that actually feels um more true and vulnerable and fosters a deeper connection uh with my current partner because it really comes down to it being a decision mm -hmm. the theme the exactly. theme of everything it's a choice it's a choice to be here um and it's a choice to choose this person rather than this is the one person i can't live without or this was meant to be um some people are really empowered by that and so i by no means want to take that away from anyone for me personally it feels more empowering to say i choose to be here and it's not meant to be and and there isn't one person this isn't my one person there may be multiple people including past people and that's how it is and and it makes it i think even more of a testament to my current partner that i continue to say and i'm showing up here and this is where i am and this is my decision and um, i feel the same in return this is great that you and tyler can have these discussions even talking about your past relationship because you know and i know you've heard this people will often say my past is my past and we don't need to talk about it we don't need to bring it up but we don't realize as the human species how much our past affects our present and our future and 
trying to put it in a little box and put it away is not going to be beneficial for you. That's not a good thing at all whatsoever. You have to talk about them. You have to talk about these things. Trying to keep them caged and keep them boxed is not beneficial for you or even your partner or whoever it is you're with, your family member, because why are you hiding away from them? You know, so that's good thing you and Tyler are able to have these difficult discussions. I mean, you're talking about your partner and his partner from your past. Most people don't want to talk about that. They don't. But the fact that you guys can engage, that's maturity right there. And we were talking about this in conversations before where when we start dating people, we're scared to bring up certain things. Um, And if we change how the type of questions we ask or the type of conversations we have, and if we talk about the hard stuff, maybe it will help weed out someone that is probably not even going to be a good fit for you. Like ask a question, Mm -hmm. have you ever cheated on somebody? Why? What was the reason? Do you think you're gonna cheat on me? Do you think you're gonna have a relapse? These are all important Mm -hmm. questions to have. It's kind of like alcoholism and drug addiction. Look, are you gonna have a relapse? Let's discuss this now, (laughs) okay? Because I don't wanna discuss this when I find out you cheat on me and now is when we're having this important conversation. Let's talk about it right now. Mm That goes along with finances or just even sexual conversations that people don't want to have because they're hard conversations. We want to keep the icing on the cupcake nice and smooth. Don't want to mess it up until you have an eruption. And then now when your emotions are all over the place is when you want to talk about shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And those are, as you said, those are hard questions to ask and and also be willing to answer to be willing not only with your partner but Mm -hmm. with yourself to bring up things that maybe you're not proud of or um even a little scared of or just you know feel feel feelings about um to have those conversations i agree it's really important and of course to know you know maybe first date isn't when we talk about those things but to once we have that sense of trust and safety and are building that to absolutely bring those things up um and and to to keep i mean it's not even a once and done thing i think about tyler and my conversations and um every now and then it'll come up again and it still feels scary to to bring up and and especially with the dialogue of oh i shouldn't be talking about this or it's bad that i feel this way but once we start to judge our own feelings and emotions and Mm -hmm. desires it not only creates a dissonance within ourselves and our own ability to be authentic and therefore make authentic decisions and authentic conversations, but also between our partner and to let that be a genuine connection, that that distance, that gap we were talking about in a different context in this conversation um, starts to form if we if we don't, at least in my experience, bring up the hardest, the hardest things. Um, when we're ready and in, you know, in a supportive space, my Tyler and I went to therapy over the last many months as well. Um, and so to know also when to bring in those external support systems. Um, but, but absolutely to have, to have those conversations, at least for me and for others, um, I'm sure others don't, value communication or that type of conversation as much as I do and just like they probably value something more than I do so we all have our things that are kind of top on our list but especially if communication in that form of connection is important 
to enter those conversations bravely with knees shaking um, is fosters greater greater connection and vulnerability and truth with ourselves. Exactly. Now, before we start talking about your business, where you are now, and how these two decisions have changed your life, tell us what happened in 2018. In 2018. Mm -hmm. You were looking over something. <laughs> looking over Yosemite, yes. that story. Yes, tell <laughs> yes. of a brief. Forgot yes, you, you did that. tell me that. I told you, you don't know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 2018 i was i was road tripping from california back home to the midwest after mm -hmm. grad school and i had already made the decision to leave that relationship we've talked about today um but still similar to the phd had had doubt mm -hmm. about it and especially um like i was mentioning when friends were trying to support me and saying well like you know would you see marrying him or getting back together and those answers coming up and it just adding mud to all of it um there was just still a lot of uncertainty and, and i i wouldn't say at that time i was feeling that grounded mm -hmm. confidence i i really <laughs> wanted to feel with the decision and um the yosemite story is that I, on this road trip, we planned where we were going to stop. Yosemite was one of those places. A lot of friends um, and colleagues told me about how amazing Yosemite was, but I had never been. They showed me their pictures. And so I had this inkling of what Yosemite would be. And then we got there and it just blew mm. me away. It it was unbelievable. It was, it was breathtaking. And I had this connection in my mind. Maybe this is just <laughs> my life coach, self-coaching myself through. Um, but this metaphor immediately formed as I was looking over the Yosemite Valley. And I thought, this is what my future relationship mm -hmm. is. I People can tell me that it's going to be good. They can assure me that I've made the right decision. I can assure myself. I can even paint, quote unquote, pictures of a future relationship or a future me in my journal or whatever it is. But until I get to that moment, it won't be, it just can't match it because it's just almost unimaginable when we're in all the exactly. past. And so um, that moment provided just the right amount of trust I needed to really get me through and hold firm and, and stand confidently in my decision and hold faith in what was coming. Um, and then when I met Tyler, I remember journaling this is the yosemite relationship it was that feeling of wow and especially on the communication front i was it was unbelievable it was that same feeling of yosemite of wow yeah this this is the conversation this is the type of communication that i knew i needed but i couldn't quite put my finger on back then and i couldn't i couldn't conceptualize mm -hmm. it until it was here and now it's here and it's it's fabulous that's <laughs> an awesome experience and i like how you mm -hmm. slipped in there for a brief moment i didn't feel confident about my decision and it just goes mm -hmm. to tell you we're all human you know she's not on this show today saying like oh my gosh i'm so perfect in all my decisions and i just you know moved on forward and every decision that i made i had no problem no i mean we all have our days where we do have second thoughts there are times where we're like, and I know you probably ask yourself, Marin, are you really <laughs> doing, 
the right thing by not continuing your PhD program, by breaking up with this person. Even though I have 49 of the boxes checked, this one little box, is it that big of an issue? You know, these are questions you're consistently always asking yourself. So now where your life is at today, after these two situations, how do you feel now making decisions with the way your path has went? You know, Mm -hmm. you stopped at your master's. You didn't go into a PhD program that you thought you were going to go in. You were in a relationship for three years. 49 of the boxes were checked. One measly little box was not checked. And you decide to walk (laughs) away from this. Now you're with a new partner. You're running a business right out of college. Most people do not do that. They're looking for a job. Granted, you did work briefly, but that was briefly, briefly You're running a business. Most people do not run a business outside of college unless they go work for their parents or their uncle or their auntie or some family member who's already have something in operation. (laughs) Yeah, I what I tell my clients all the time is the metaphor of using weights at a gym. You don't walk into a gym. Mm -hmm. Most people don't walk into a gym and pick up the 100 pound dumbbell and start there. Uh, and decision-making and authentic decision-making and everything that goes along with it. I mentioned there's seven mm-hmm. steps in, in the model I created. So that's also includes trust. We don't start with the 100-pound trust dumbbell or the 100-pound decision dumbbell or the 100-pound confidence. Um, usually it's, you know, the two pounds. Maybe it's even like half a pound. Um, and and start small. I give the example oftentimes of one way to practice this idea of authentic decision making is to say, wow, yeah, I'm really thirsty. I could, I could use a sip mm-hmm. of water. That's a, an authentic decision. And it's, you know, a one-pound dumbbell for both of us to start there and then just like at the gym you build up build up build up build up and eventually you can make the 100 pound Mm -hmm. decisions um and and so what i feel today is that i guess two things one is that i feel the strength that i've built over time for making authentic decisions i don't second guess myself nearly as much although like you said we all have our days um i have so much more self-trust and confidence and of course share it with my clients and and see not only in my own life but in others lives how important and impactful this way of living is um but also i have more compassion and understanding to when that one pound dumbbell is needed and that it's okay and if we can take and i can take you know, if I'm, if there's a big decision in front of me to say, okay, how can I make this a one pound <laughs> decision? I don't need to start with the big thing and also just take my best guess. And like, if I drop a one pound dumbbell on my foot, it'll hurt, but it's, it's not as bad as, as something heavier. And, and to let that consistent cycle be the driver and the encourager and the way of building and fostering trust and strength rather than so much pressure to make the big decisions and make it now and make it certain and move on and stand confidently forever. Um, It's okay if we start small and it's okay if we stay small, not in our expression, hopefully, but in our capacity to decide and take one little step, one little decision, one little ounce of trust at a time. Um, And that'll, that'll grow. And also that can stay consistent too throughout all of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as you all know, Ready Enough, Your Seven-Step Guide for Life's Hardest Decisions is the book that she has written. 
and it is available on Amazon and in bookstores. And can they purchase it off your website as well? There is, go to my website and there's a button. That Wonderful. <laughs> so, so yes. and she talks about definitely more in there of the seven steps. You know, as she just said, start small. Marn is saying, start small. Start with the two pound, the five pound, the 10 pound, the 15 pound. Work your way up. Don't automatically go into the gym and start with the 100 pound dumbbell. As we said, most people do not do that. You start small. Don't be afraid to start small. And through this whole podcast, I think as everyone will be aware listening to it, what's important is owning your decision. Owning whatever decision is you're going to make at that time in that season of your life, just owning it. It's okay if a mistake happens because truly, let's be honest, life is a total experience from the time you're a child to the time you go from infancy to toddler to teenager to young adolescence. You have to learn to walk. You have to learn to crawl before you can walk. Then once you start walking, you're running all over the place now. It's baby steps. I mean, the first 18 years of your life, that's all it is. And then it seems like once we're adults, Maureen, do you feel like adults just want to rush in everything? H hurry up. I just want to get this done. I want to get this business and I want to be at six figures like yesterday. But I don't want to put in the work <laughs> that is necessary. I just want to be at six figures. I don't want to do any marketing or anything like that. Just give me the money. No, you got to put in the work. You got to put in work, own your decisions, and don't be afraid to own your decisions. Someone always has something to say, regardless what you're doing in this world. If this young lady right here, you know, really <laughs> listened to what some people were telling her about not getting that PhD program, I don't think she would have started her own business because she probably would have felt like, oh my God, I was a failure. If I just had gotten the PhD program, maybe I could have gotten this better job. It is harder for you to think of negative thoughts than it is positive thoughts. So you want to stop that now. <laughs> stop that now. But what is one piece of encouragement you'd like to provide to the women out there? Either something you live by, a mantra you want to provide them. It could be something simple like own your decisions, which I tell them all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really just summarizing where, where we landed, but it's not only own your decisions, but again, make yes. a decision. Like make make something. And again, small. It can be an example I use because a lot of the women I work with are considering a career change. It's like you don't have to decide whether you're leaving your job today. In fact, I encourage that maybe not we do that um, unless you're really confident. But it's like, do you want to decide to look at other jobs? Do you want to decide to open the job board? Do you want to decide to tell your significant other that you're considering this? These are huge decisions. And the other thing about small decisions and that that encouragement to make a decision is you can always make another decision and i realize some decisions have greater impact than others um for instance you know a breakup that that has an impact on a relationship so to keep that in mind and to be respectful of that um but also to cut ourselves a little slack and remind ourselves that a lot of times <laughs> we can make we can make another mm -hmm. decision if that one didn't feel right if it for whatever reason we learned there was a better 
quote unquote better decision now that we have different information and data to make that decision off of you can make it again so just start small and make one make a decision awesome and powerful words and powerful words Marn, I want you to thank you so much for being a guest on the show and enlightening us with your story, your experience. I mean, it's powerful because someone out there, I guarantee you, is going through the same thing you're going through when it comes to platonic and they're in college right now trying to either decide on a major or should they continue, should they not continue in a romantic relationship? Should I stay with that one box unchecked or should I walk away? Someone's experiencing that 49 out of the 50. Remember guys, 49 out of the 50, that 50 is huge. It 50 is huge. So I want to thank you again for being a guest and my listeners, as you always know, thank you for listening and to love yourself, voice yourself and be yourself until the next podcast. Have a great one guys. Thanks for tuning in to Fumpale Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week.